from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. This is the NPC podcast for February 17, 2021. This program is all about discussing and considering the purpose, process and people of the pharma industry during the age of COVID. Today, let's continue our healthcare conversation by answering questions sent by listeners like you. This program is presented in cooperation with Imprez. Imprez's best-in-class commercial solutions offer top-line and bottom-line growth with maximum sales force flexibility, speed, and efficiency. Learn more about their next-generation commercial model at www.imprez.com. On today's podcast our guest is Suzanne McGurn, President and CEO of CADARF. Your host for this episode is Peter Brenders, CEO of the New Brunswick Health Research Foundation. Now, here's Mitch Shannon of Chronicle Companies. Leona, thank you. You're hearing a lot of talk in healthcare circles these days about evidence, especially real-world evidence. But that's not a new thing by any means. In Ottawa, the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technology and Health, CADATH when it's at home, has been in the objective evidence game since 1989. It's an independent, non-profit agency that somehow manages, on most occasions, to get Ottawa, most provinces and territories, and other stakeholders on the same page. That alone is kind of extraordinary. Suzanne McGurn has been running CADATH and its 200 employees since last summer, which you'll recall was a rough time to join anything. Here she is in conversation with Peter. Welcome to the NPC Podcast. I'm Peter Brenders, your host. In our continuing look at the purpose, process, and people in pharma, this episode explores the world of evidence review. Joining me today from Ottawa is Suzanne McGurn, the relatively new president and CEO of the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technologies in Health, known as CADATH. Welcome, Suzanne. Uh, Good morning, and thank you, Peter, for inviting me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. That's terrific. We're delighted to have you on. Before we get into talking about evidence review and the COVID effect, I think we all want to know a little bit more about you and what it was like taking on a new role in a different city in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, you started at Cadeth last July, I believe. You got to tell us about this. Thanks, Peter. Well, let's let's start off with when I was originally considering the opportunity to apply and move to Cadeth, I was not imagining what 2020 was going to look like. And a lot of my consideration actually was around the fact that it was a new decade and new opportunities for evidence and all of the changes that were going on and being considered that Cadeth was a part of. And so certainly my arrival from my former role at the public service in Ontario and working in corrections um, in July was quite different than I expected. So like most other people, um, I've spent the better part of the last seven months working in my newly created home office. I've been into our physical space at Cadeth once or twice, and I've met almost my entire team virtually. There was a few people I knew before I came. The other thing is it's really changed the way to connect with stakeholders. The key stakeholders for Cadeth are obviously the jurisdictions, And uh, I was kind of looking forward to my cross-country opportunity to meet individuals and see the jurisdictions up close. But folks have been pretty busy with COVID, so I've been trying very, very hard to be respectful of their time and let them do the important job that they're doing right now. Well, I heard it was minus 40 in Saskatoon this past week. So, you know, that, that tour can probably wait a little bit. So maybe you can give our industry audience a little peek behind the curtain at Cadeth. So what's it been like for staff uh, during this past year? 
Well, I, I guess I have to take what I've learned through meeting them virtually. And so it is a little bit hard. You don't get that natural vibe of what it's like when you're in a building and seeing people in the hallway and having coffee or, or lunch with them. But our staff have been working from home with some variations about what it looks like depending on where they work in Canada. What a lot of people don't know is that CADETH is an organization of, of just over 200 individuals with the greatest number located here in the Ottawa area. But we also have a satellite office in Toronto. But we also have individuals in most jurisdictions across Canada and at least regionally. And so it's been tough. You know, we have a staff mix that leans to a younger age population. So caregiving needs and the competing priorities at home. But maybe, you know, the thing I would say, just in pulling back the curtain of arriving here at Cadith, what was most surprising to me and someone who's worked with Cadith for a long time is about all of the things I didn't know. In fact, one of the very first presentations I did to my colleagues at the pan-Canadian level was entitled What You Know, What You Might Not Know, and What Might Surprise You About the Organization. So yeah, it's been a real interesting start to uh, this new role. Okay, so that was just an incredible teaser there. So you got to give us some insight that, okay, give me a a couple examples here, uh, uh, Suzanne, in terms of what we might not know. For me, what I didn't know is that Cadith actually has one of the greatest library services in Canada in the health library world. We have research specialists that come from all over that have very unique backgrounds um, that are really the backbone of the work that we do here at Cadith. You know, I think what we're most all familiar with is the type of work we do in our evidence reviews where we make recommendations on pharmaceuticals or the CAR T cell. But there's a whole suite of competencies about policy analysis, moving into the real world evidence space, ethics, qualitative analysis, access to evidence, and so many other things that I really didn't have a full appreciation of the breadth and suite of the skills here within the Cadith team. You're listening to the NPC podcast. I'm Peter Brenders, your host. Okay, so that's a great setup for a question I was going to ask you a little bit about in terms of digging into the operations a little bit more in terms of Cadeth, but maybe you could talk to us about that in, in the context of you know what's changed during this pandemic. And has this been a good thing? Have been an improvement? It's like, thank you, pandemic, for giving us new ways and breaking out of old bad habits? Or have you guys, what you guys put in place, just are these just placeholders so you can get back to the way you were working before? Well, I think it's a little bit of, of all of them. So maybe what's easiest to start with for people is what hasn't changed. And so what hasn't changed is the Cadeth really, you know, at its core and its heart is an evidence-based organization. And so we bring those strengths to bear on whatever we're doing. With a flip of a switch, and I think Cadeth was one of the first um, organizations that moved virtually we were able to continue our formulary pharmaceutical reviews without skipping a beat. You know, we moved rapidly to virtual. We didn't have any delays. We didn't have to take a pause. So that was, that was great. You know, we've learned lots and, and we've learned to do it virtually well. Some of our programs, like the Scientific Evidence Advice Program, we did take a pause on. We set that aside to be able to redirect resources and skills and talents and rejig other plans to help us with COVID. In fact, we've had, I just actually pulled the number up today, almost 300 requests uh, related to COVID-related items. And that's sort of a range of things. They could be small or large. 
But what we had to do very quickly was figure out how to do that work differently. Certainly the traditional evidence-based approach to health technology assessment is a more prolonged process. And even with things that we traditionally do like rapid reviews, the rapidness that's needed in a pandemic is, is very different. So we've certainly changed the way we do our work, trying to figure out the right balance between quality, completeness, timeliness, and what things can we actually shorten, have no choice but to shorten. And some of those things are things we'll have to go back and look at. You know, some of the reviews that we've had to do, we've not been able to do the full HTA, get patient perspective, be able to give clinicians the same amount of time to weigh into some of the matters. But with that being said, we have, I think, at our heart also learned that there are ways that we can do things different. I guess, you know, as you set up the question, I, I, the thing that comes to mind for me is that, you know, I think every one of us hates to make a comment about what we've, the positive of having to experience a pandemic. But, you know, we are at the same time as a pandemic in a moment where disruption and innovation and new technologies and devices and therapeutics are rapidly emerging. And I think everyone, industry, businesses, have all of a sudden had this door open of things that people never thought were possible. Healthcare may never be the same, and I remain optimistic that it won't be the same in a good way. And so really interested to see how we at Cadeth are able to support those changes and that explosion of, of innovation while supporting jurisdictions make really difficult decisions that are going to have to be made as we come out of a pandemic. So what I hear from you too is like, so again, you guys capitalizing on, on what you needed to capitalize on, but a, a message that came out of that for me was I'm hearing about how you guys can act with speed in terms of maybe you've changed your process and some things you might've dropped um, that you wouldn't normally have done, but it seems to be much more about speed. So that's an interesting concept in terms of, does that become a new way forward? Because I, I, you think about what we've seen in this pandemic and just on the evidence itself, and we're coming to expect results and conclusions by press release or a CNN newsbreaker, or even some Twitter feed on that one. And so I, I heard what you're, how it's changing you guys, but what do you think it's doing to the public perception on evidence and evidence review? So, you know, I think as I was getting ready for coming into Cadeth, it was just at the peak of, so, you know, leading up to July was the outbreaks in New York City. You had Andrew Cuomo on CNN making presentations about evidence every day. You know, people were glued to their television sets to hear the evidence, what was coming from the experts in the field. And for me, it was sort of a, the Gloria Gaynor song. You know, at first I was petrified and, and terrified. That was sort of what it was like coming into this organization. But I think what we've learned is that we can survive. I just think it's worth reflecting a little bit on evidence during the pandemic because there's some, some really important lessons learned coming out of it. You know, there's a much greater awareness at, at all levels. And I would say, you know, from my experience in government, much higher levels in government of how evidence isn't what people thought it was, you know, something that is static, that never changes. So there's a, a greater interest and awareness and an understanding People understand that things that you thought at the beginning as evidence evolves and changes may not be what they actually thought they were. So, you know, I didn't know what a preprint was before I started this job, but I certainly have been, you know, in my former job aware of how press releases and media 
can drive uh, conversations. But I think we've all learned that you have to dig deeper and understand what the evidence is saying, isn't saying, and it may not be because it's wrong. It may just not have emerged yet. And I think that from a perspective of how is it going to change all of us going forward is I hope that we figure out a way to capitalize on the best of what evidence awareness has done for everyone to be able to make more thoughtful decisions. But I think it also is important for us, as you said, you talked a little bit about speed. And I think whenever I hear the speed equation in the the evidence, I think we have to be really careful as we think forward about how that fits in a risk environment. So in a pandemic, when thousands of people are dying imminently, and there's so many unknowns, and the timelines for us to make decisions are so small, I think there's a different risk equation. So I think what that will look like for many of us is perhaps more segmented ways in which we do our reviews. How do we sort things into what comes first? And I think it will also lead us to do some of the things that we've learned through COVID, which is some documents need to stay living documents. They aren't point in time. They are things that we need to keep sort of alive and continue to go back to as evidence emerges, particularly in places where there's importance and yet the evidence is being generated almost weekly. So that, you know, that's a great point because that was a question I was going to ask you when you talked about sort of evidence not being static and that, um, that evidence changes. And then the question comes down to is how do we make these living documents? And a decision, because I was looking on ACADA's website, talking to a company last week, and they were looking at ACADA's opinion and review from five years ago in oncology of all places. And the world of oncology today is completely different than what it was five years ago. And it's, it's a challenge. So how does evidence get up? You know, I think about, so the pressures now that are coming on CADA, like you guys had a view, but the world changes. And so how do you guys deal with that? Or whose responsibility is it to start to keep the evidence current and the opinions and reviews on that current? Can this be done? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. It's one that Cadith had certainly turned its mind to before I arrived here at Cadith. And I think, you know, the term you would most uh, commonly hear referred to is health technology management over the life cycle. And, you know, I think Cadith has been out there as a leader in uh, socializing the, this concept um, over the past number of years. And I think that as part of a Cadith strategic plan, this is a place we're going to have to spend some really important reflective time. As someone who has been a user of the evidence, I too sometimes have been in a circumstance where, you know, you're responding to an inquiry and you're going, wow, that was done five years ago, I wonder if anything has changed because that would be really helpful to know in responding to this issue or this circumstance at this moment in time. And I think it's going to involve a couple of things. I think it's going to involve figuring out which are the right things to go back and look at. It's impossible, I think, as we all know, to do everything all of the time. And so being selective about those places where, you know, there's special attention needed to that. I also think it's going to be important for us to change the dialogue. A lot of people have equated health technology management or life cycle management with disinvestment and disinvestment only. And I think for a lot of us, it's, it's also just a good place for learning. Are the things that we anticipated and expected 
at the time that we did the evidence review, are they actually validated when we go back and look at those circumstances? So I think there's a real opportunity for us to bring you know, assessment and performance of decision making forward as part of what CADETH does in adopting that life cycle management of health technologies. So more to be done. And, and I think it is a, a really important space for us to figure out which things and when. You're listening to Suzanne McGurn, President and CEO of CADETH on the NPC podcast. So it's interesting as I'm listening to this, I'm almost wondering, does evidence you know, not just evidence review, but the summaries, the recommendations, the conclusions, if you will, do they need expiry dates? Do hmm. they need to sort of say like, yeah, that was relevant at the time, but today we can't say if it is or not because we don't know the state of practice. And maybe that's a caveat that the system needs to adopt or look into a little bit more. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, Peter. I guess I would maybe, you know, say it's one of those issues that could come with quite a quagmire because I guess then you would say, you know, perhaps back to the industries or the folks that are bringing the evidence forward, does their evidence expire? So I think it's one of those things where I think a really thoughtful consideration about what needs to be looked at and when is needed, because I think we've all come to understand that, you know, there's many things that work well in our system. The current way we do our business, whether wherever it is across the, the continuum, is working well and patients are getting access or clinicians are getting access to new devices, new treatments, new interventions. But there are some places where we, I think we all know that we have some lessons to learn and, and it will be figuring those out. So thinking about sort of the future and changes, you know, I read the federal health minister's mandate letter and it talked about setting up a Canada drug agency as a priority. So you got to wonder, I mean, Cadeth has been central to Canada's drug access system. So how do you think this new CDA will affect Cadeth? So yeah, I too, as I did in my former job and this job, I do read mandate letters from all jurisdictions that are made public with great interest. And yeah, the Canadian Drug Agency was included in the 2019 federal budget and was an integral part of what the federal government was advancing on the pharmaceutical space. I see it's been uh, reconfirmed as part of the most recent mandate letter to Health Canada's ministry. I guess what I would say is, you know, I would first off acknowledge that I'm not going to get ahead of, you know, the important dialogue that will be happening amongst jurisdictions on the suite of pharmaceutical issues, pharmacare, drugs for rare diseases, the idea of a Canadian agency, you know, further alignment, cost of drugs. What I can say from my experience here in Canada is that we are unique compared to some other jurisdictions, and we are somewhat difficult to understand from an end-to-end perspective, whether you're a clinician, a patient, a family member, industry, or even different government officials, depending on where you are in the system and, and your familiarity with the process. So I think there's been a lot of work that's been done that's been good, that we've improved things, and there's been a lot of work on alignment and a greater cohesiveness across the country, but there is more to be done. And if it takes the form of an agency or whether it's continued to work for alignment, harmonization, it'll be important work. And and I don't think that the harmonization and improvement needs to wait for a Canadian drug agency. From CADA's perspective, I would just say we're known for our expertise, experience and relationship. And you know, our goal would continue to be a trusted organization that provides whatever evidence 
skills, analysis, whatever they need to support them in this path, the federal government and the jurisdictions, we're here to be able to assist with that work and want to see ourselves continue to be an important player in the pharmaceutical landscape. That was a great summary. Great background and overview of Cadeth itself, Suzanne. I truly appreciate uh, the insights you were able to give us today. Any, any last words or counsel to the industry that you want to leave with us? Actually, I've done a couple of things recently, and I'll leave the same advice here, which is relationships matter. And, and I, I do think that the more opportunity that we have to have exchanges and uh, understand one another's perspective, the better off we will all be in being able to uh, find our way to new and improved futures. So thank you, Peter. Great advice from Suzanne McGurn, President and CEO of Cadeth. Relationships matter. You've been listening to the NPC Podcast. I'm Peter Brenders, your host. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Suzanne and Peter. Let's keep that medical evidence coming, and we'll keep reporting it. And one of the places we'll report it is in this here NPC podcast, now in its third season. We've got some interesting guests lined up for you for the coming weeks, including Lindsay Williams of Stryker, the device and surgical equipment company. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't miss an episode. You can download past episodes of the NPC podcast from Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and other sites or on pharmacongress.info, where we even have transcripts for you. I know you're going to have questions for Peter and for our upcoming guests, so please direct message them to us on Twitter at 2021NPC, 2021NPC, or send us a note to health at chronicle.org. You could also pick up the phone and leave a question on our comment line anytime 24-7 at 647-873-6995. This winter series of the NPC podcast is presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next generation commercial partner. Learn more at www.imprez.com. I'm Mitch Shannon in Toronto of Chronicle Companies. Jeremy Visser is your podcast producer. The announcer is Leona McDroid. Our musical theme is performed by the NPC podcast orchestra under the direction of maestro Arturo Milbrook. Have a good week and stay safe. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday.